Hi, this is Ellen Barnett, and this is Smart Women I Know, one. And I'm here today with Erin Webster, who is not only the director of marketing at MC10, uh, which is an incredibly interesting, I guess we could call it a startup, certainly a biomed, biotech newcomer, uh, doing some pretty astonishing things. But uh, what's really interesting is Erin's story. She grew up with a father who was working in the shipyard and driving that bus in that way. And she grew up with her mother who was all business, all strategy, and the economic powerhouse of the house. So at a time... And when did you grow up, Erin? About the 80s? 90s. 90s. Oh, that hurts. Um, she, okay, she grew up in the 90s. Um, I did not. Uh, growing up in the 90s, that still wasn't something that, in fact, let's be honest, it's still not something that's predominant. Um, what's even more interesting is that she ended up being in a relationship that's much the same. Um, and Erin and I first met when we worked together, and she's so dynamic, so interesting, and so good at what she does that I knew she would be the perfect subject to talk to today. So I wanted to take people through a little bit of your background first, mm -hmm. and I'd love if you'd tell me your story. Absolutely. Um, so as you mentioned, I grew up in Rhode Island um, with a family that loves being outside and I think has a good mix for work and play. Um, I have a younger sister who now lives out in San Diego, but we still call Rhode Island our home base. Uh, we're for the, from the town of Narragansett, so it's a small beach town. That gets really busy in the summer and empties out in the winter. Now, are your parents from that area? Yes, they both are. Okay. Yep, yep. They're from southern Rhode Island. Yep. Um, so we have a lot of family and friend connections from that area uh, back from when you know they were growing up, but then also from our time growing up there as well. I understand that your father was working in the shipyard. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Your mother had a background in business yeah. and in the healthcare industry. Can you describe that and and what it was like to grow up in a household where mom wasn't around mm -hmm. all the time? Mm -hmm. um, which can be, you've got two girls. It yeah. can be yeah. a little bit challenging and a little bit hard growing up. Tell me about that. Yeah, sure. So my mom um, has a passion for the fitness industry. She's always worked in fitness and wellness. Um, she started her own company back when, um, before I was born actually. So when I was born, she was running her company um, with her partner. And so it was kind of normal. You know, I grew up where my mom was out of the house working. My dad worked closer to home. Um, and so there were you know, times when my mom was traveling for business and dad got us ready for school and everyone would know because we would show up with braids in our hair. That was kind of the signature move. <laughs> if dad was home, we had braids in our hair. That, that's all he could manage. Um, but, you know, my mom was able to find a balance of working from home for a big part of our lives as well. So she brought some of the business home with her um, to be able to be there for some of those kind of key moments and milestones in our childhood. 
Um, but it was definitely a shared responsibility between the two of them. Um, and I admire even today that, you know, some of the traditional roles of the female in the household my dad does and some of the traditional things that you would normally think a male does, my mom, my mom does. Like what kinds of things? Oh man, my dad's the cook in the family. Um, my mom listens to this, hopefully she doesn't hear it, but he is by far a better cook than she is. Are you a good cook? Or, I'm learning. I'm or learning. Is, is Max a better cook? <laughs> no, I, I have the cooking gene in our relationship. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Um, but I enjoy it, and I think my dad and I both like cooking for the ability to kind of give something to the people that we're with, um, yeah. and it's kind of the way that we show love in a lot of ways, doing something nice. Making a nice meal um, is, I think, I got that from him. Um, so that's one. My mom cuts the grass. Um, if my dad isn't around, you know, they share a lot of the outdoor yard work. We have six and a half acres of land at home and a horse. So we've got a lot of outdoor yard work that needs to be done that they kind of split evenly. Um, my dad does the gardening, the vegetable garden. He manages that. My mom manages the flower gardens. So, you know, they kind of split. Tell me... How having a mother who owned her own company mm -hmm. and in the health and fitness area, how that first of all helped you decide on what you wanted to do? And maybe, you know, you said your sister and, and you are so close, mm -hmm. so maybe what what she ended up doing. Mm -hmm. and And then how you chose who you chose. Um, you've been with your boyfriend for how long? Yeah. Uh, five years now. <laughs> so that's a long time yeah. because remember she was born in the 90s. <laughs> so yeah. um, tell me about that. Yeah, so I think the biggest takeaway from watching my mom um, run her own company was that she had such a passion for what she was doing. And I think that really instilled in me that I never wanted to work for a company that I didn't feel passionate about what they were doing kind of at the base level, whether it was health or wellness or something else, um, seeing how excited she was to go to work every day. And, you know, she, I, I never grew up with the sense that work was a bad thing. You know, I always grew up with the sense of work was something fun that you could, you know, really make your own and kind of take ownership of, which is exactly what she did. Um, but I think there were things that rubbed off more than just that because I also am a fitness instructor. I teach spinning classes. Um, I, been doing that since I was in college and I think that was part of my mom's influence on me as well um, because I there's pictures of me as a little baby in the corner of a fitness room you know playing with toys as she's teaching a fitness class so I wow. think it's truly part of my DNA that you know I won't be able to get away from um, even if I wanted to um, but I think you know at a young age like I said I was really interested in the human body and um, how health and wellness plays into your overall health, um, happiness, and well-being, and how you view the world, I think is truly reflective of how you feel. Um, and so when I went to college, I went to Quinnipiac University in Connecticut, and wanted to major in something that would um, give me uh, the education on the human body, but, you know, as an 18-year-old, I knew I didn't want to be wearing scrubs to work, because that was, you know, how my brain was working at that time. So I partnered the um, the biomedical degree with a marketing degree and Quinnipiac was one of the few schools in the Northeast that had that as a dual major. So, um, I have a degree, a business degree, but I also have some of the biology background, um, to help, you know, kind of shape 
where I take my career. Um, and I stayed on to get my MBA uh, because based on, you know, the research that I had done back when I was a junior, it seemed like the trend was going towards needing an MBA in order to advance to senior level management um, in big or small companies. So I kind of decided to just do it, um, get it out of the way almost. Um, but also I felt like I had enough learning from my internship experiences that the MBA you know, I had some working background um, to be able to take the learnings from the MBA and apply it back to jobs that I already had. Um, so graduated with my MBA in 2013 and have been with MC10 ever since. Started as a marketing analyst and have grown um, to senior marketing manager, which is my position right now. Hopefully we'll continue to grow with the company. Um, and you, you met Max when? In college. And he does what? He's an advertising major. So he works for a digital media company in the Boston area um, as an account manager. You find what truly <laughs> interesting about the guy? Well, now we're going on a whole other tangent. I can talk for hours about that. <laughs> no, tell me, tell me one thing yeah. that keeps something about him mm -hmm. so different mm -hmm. and so right for you. Mm -hmm. Well, I think on the vein of this conversation, um, Max also grew up in a household where um, his mom was kind of the powerhouse of the family. She's the head of general counsel at a school here in Boston. Um, and his dad works from home, has a great job, but works from home. And so was around a little bit more, um, which is, you know, kind of similar to how I grew up. And so it was really important to me one of the things I love about him is that he supports me and my career ambitions. You know, never would I um, be with someone who expected me to stay home, um, you know, just expected that or expected me to make dinner every night. You know, it's it's much more of a shared responsibility. Um, and we're, you know, kind of navigating those waters together as we, you know, continue to build our lives together. But um, that is one of the things that I, I respect about him a lot because I think there's a lot of men even still today that, you know, for some reason that wouldn't be okay for them. Um, whether it's subconscious and they, or they acknowledge it. Um, I think most of the time it's subconscious and it's not acknowledged, but, um, you know, I've been in relationships in the past where that's how it's been. And I knew that that that's not who I was going to be with for a long time. What inspires you? I think making a real change in someone's life inspires me being able to, tell a human story of something that I have worked on directly or indirectly that has made someone's life better is a really important thing to me. How does that inspiration, mm -hmm. making people's lives better, mm -hmm. play out for you and the voice you've got because you've got, um, you've got time ahead <laughs> and you've you know, you've, you've ridden this horse with MC10 for a little while now. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think, I think it's a kind of a dual path. I think I'll continue to kind of make, you know, make people's lives better, which I know is an overused phrase, but I think through my involvement with teaching fitness classes, that's kind of an easy way, you know, for me to connect to people and help them um, achieve fitness goals in that kind of limited sense. So I think that'll always kind of be a piece of, of who I am and who my career is. I think, um, I don't think that'll go away. I think there'll always be that kind of fitness coaching element. And then kind of on the other side, more professionally, I think it'll be 
I'd, I'd love to start my own company someday, but, um, you know, I, I think it'll take the right stroke of genius or the right inspiration or the right idea to make it happen. Um, you know, I think I have a lot to learn still from other mentors. So as I continue to move through my career, finding good mentors to work for and to work with is really important in me, to me. Um, so that when I am ready to start my own thing, if that's where I end up, um, I'll have, you know, kind of the learnings from other people who have been there before, um, kind of helping me and, and coaching me along. How do you find mentors? Um, connections of connections. Um, so Quinnipiac, while it's a small, relatively young school, has a great network. People who go there tend to stay really involved. So that's kind of where my network started. Um, through my mom and her connections, you know, when I was in high school, I started creating my own kind of network based off of her foundation. And I think the Boston community has a great, um, especially the women in Boston, have a good I think willingness to help other women. Um, so it's, you know, it's a lot of coffees. It's a lot of asking for introductions, um, and, and doing your homework to find who you want to be connected to. But it seems like anybody in the Boston tech community, I could, you know, meet potentially with one or two introductions. And I think creating a network is a lot of effort. It's a lot of time. Um, but everything that I've heard, is that that's the most important thing um, to kind of career success and to building yourself in whatever industry. And I've already, I've already seen that happen. So I think it's a combination of, you know, where I grew up and, and where I went to school, but also taking that and kind of just building it and asking, you know, not being afraid to reach out and ask for a connection. You work with a company called MC10. Mm-hmm. A uh, company that most people haven't heard of. Right, right. So, so tell me first of all what they do, mm-hmm. and then tell me. I know that from from having worked with you just a small amount, that you're run by um, the, some serious powerhouses mm-hmm. who all happen to be male mm-hmm. um, and incredibly established in mm-hmm. their fields mm-hmm. and. And you came in and, you know, you, you were seasoned, but not tremendously seasoned. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And you're a young woman. Mm-hmm. And my feeling was that you spoke truth to power <laughs> and did it in a way that they could hear. And I'd love to hear more about how that all works for you. Mm-hmm. First of all, if you tell me a little bit again about yeah. the product. Yeah. And then... And then what you feel your role is there and mm-hmm. and how you feel you add to it. Sure. So the company was based on the foundation of making electronics, which are traditionally hard, rigid, boxy, if you think of your cell phone, making them stretchable and flexible and conform to the shape and the curvature of the human body. That was kind of the vision at the outset of the company in 2008. And... The, the beginning part of the company was focused on finding the right solution in the market for this incredible breakthrough in technology. And I'd say the last four years, maybe three years, we've really been focused on the healthcare industry and transforming how, um, how metrics are observed from the human body. So our devices can measure things like heart rate, motion, 
um, different parameters around, you know, gait and mobility and whatnot when you layer on algorithms. So the product that um, you're talking about, Ellen, is a research product designed to enable clinical researchers and academic researchers a way to gather objective physiological data from the human body in a way that's comfortable and really um, almost invisible to subjects. So, so if I can, and I'm just going to interpret this. Yeah, yeah, please. Um, because I actually, funnily enough, I just broke my foot <laughs> and, um, and will we'll need to extract understanding. Does, does mm-hmm. that product, by putting that sort of Band-Aid-like mm-hmm. object mm-hmm. onto a certain place in my body, will that help? people understand what's going on underneath yeah absolutely absolutely so that's kind of the vision is layering on um some big data analytics type of um you know they're buzzwords now but real powerful ways to analyze data Um, when you put sensors on different parts of the body layered with some of those data analysis capabilities you can measure things like recovery from a surgery so, you know, let's say in two months when you're ready to start running again, how do you know, you know, two what weeks. Dist- <laughs> I'm not going to take the position on one, but you know, how do you know when, um, when your range of motion of your toes is back to normal, you know, when you're flexing your feet, like you used to be able to, um, how do you know when to keep doing your PT exercises or when to start upping the thresholds and start doing them more frequently or with a higher intensity, you know, trying to bring some objective data into those types of environments, both for recovery, like what you're experiencing now, but also in research. Um, So together, uh, to gather data from um, people who are participating in clinical trials or other research initiatives, um, again, in a way that the subjects don't know that they're being monitored because they are so seamless, they're so comfortable Today, people are strapping sensors to their shoes with duct tape and wearing belts and harnesses. Um, and, you know, obviously that has an impact on how they're moving, right? Right. Um, so this is, so this offers a fluidity of motion and, mm-hmm. a, and a truth to that motion because it can be, it can be assimilated into real life as exactly. opposed to some sort of a fake environment where you're strapping something on and hoping for the best. Yep, you got it. Um, so these guys are big dudes, <laughs> and they're and they're mighty powerful and super, super, super intelligent. Mm-hmm. And I'm not saying you're not all of those <laughs> things, except for the dude part. But but it's um, it's a bit scary for even mm-hmm. the grandest. Mm-hmm. sort mm-hmm. and yet um my impression of you is that you don't have to put on a show for this this really just does come naturally just helping it work along with six very different voices in the mm-hmm. room mm-hmm. very very different very strong voices mm-hmm. in the room how do you how do you manage that yeah Um, It's a learning experience for sure Um, and luckily enough we do have one female executive on the team who's our head of general counsel and she has been a tremendous mentor to me in helping coach me along the process and how to communicate in these types of situations when you're at the boardroom table and it's the executive team and you, you know, how do you make sure your voice is heard? I think 
what I'm trying to work on and what I think I've started to hone in on my balance of is listening. And then when it's my turn to talk, like commanding the floor. And um, I find that at least in our situation, you know, trying to talk all the time, you end up getting drowned out. So the way that I've tried to kind of find that balance is wait until I really feel like I have something valuable to add um, and, and say it confidently and get the attention. Um, and I have built, I think, enough respect in the company that when I start to talk, you know, they listen and they, they let me have the floor. I think it, that's, that's a lesson for life. <laughs> I mean, I, I, think, I, I think that is a unique lesson that women learn mm-hmm. themselves, don't you? Mm-hmm. That mm-hmm. It, it takes time to sort of see, okay, this is the only way that we're going to navigate this right. crew. Right, right. Um, I sometimes wonder if men maybe take longer mm-hmm. to find that mm-hmm. kind of a solution. Mm-hmm. And I think the difference, Ellen, is um, at least based on my experiences, you know, men are used to being in a room full of men. And so it's not something that's top of mind to them. Whereas when women are at the table, you know, you notice, we notice the difference and we notice that we're outnumbered. And I think so we're kind of intuitively more tuned in to how we can stand out and be sure we're heard. Um, whereas it would be different if it were six women around the table and one man. You know, it, it would be a different feeling, I think. Do you feel like when you were at the beginning, mm-hmm. um, I know that I myself, and I have a lot of experience, but I myself find myself almost asking permission mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, to have the floor mm-hmm. and be heard mm-hmm. and and maybe following up with, but, you know, what do you think? Right. Um, and And you've just spoken about commanding the floor, which is very different. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Tell me about that. Yeah. So I think that kind of fits in the company culture that I'm in. So I'm, I think you could classify it as a startup. You know, we've been around for eight or nine years, but it has a startup feel, a startup mentality. And I think one of the classic attributes of startup is you can't ask for permission. You know, there's not enough time. There's never enough time resources. You're always just focused on getting the thing done. Um, and, I think part of that culture um, kind of empowers everybody to command the floor a little bit. Um, so there's no asking for permission at the company because there's no time for asking for permission. You know, you are, um, at least at MC10, I feel like empowered to, um, you know, speak up and be the voice of expertise on your topic. And, um, you know, I don't have a lot of experience in big companies, so I don't know if that's a startup thing, but at least... Um, based on what it's been like at MC10, I feel like that's kind of, um, that's part of the culture and I think kind of breeds that, yeah, that attribute. Yeah. Tell me, have you, have you worked in companies where you've had to work with women Mm -hmm. who maybe weren't as much on your side Mm. as, as you'd hope they would be? I'm, I haven't had that experience yet. Um, so my experience with women, MC10 is my first company, my first job out of grad school. So all my previous experience was in internships, um, which was a, you know, different, um, mentality. I think that what I've read about and what I've heard about, um, through conversations is that women can, can get in that tricky situation when there's a feeling of competitiveness, 
or like someone's coming to take your job. Um, and so in the internship environments, it never felt like that because I was still in school. You know, I had a, I had an end date. Um, and at MC10, I've had one female boss who was an, a tremendous mentor. She still is a mentor to me, even though she's moved on from the company. Um, and then most of the other women in the company, we kind of joined together as opposed to break apart because there's, you know. Do you think that that mentality was something that they hired for? That because it strikes me from your story so far, mm-hmm. you have a father who knows how to roll up his sleeves mm-hmm. and make things work. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it may not be considered a blue collar job because it's mm-hmm. in yachting and, mm-hmm. and sailing, mm-hmm. but it is hard, hard work mm-hmm. every day, mm-hmm. physical work mm-hmm. as well as mental mm-hmm. work. And your mother was probably the opposite um, percentage, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, you know, mm-hmm. there is a lot of roll up your sleeves and do it with starting your own company too. Mm-hmm. Um, do you think that that hardworking ethic played a role in, in the company's success, in the, high, in the reason that the dynamic there is so good between the women? Because uh, a lot of companies, that's not the case. Mm. Yeah, I guess, um, yeah, it, it could. You know, I like I said, I don't, I don't really know how MC10 compares with some other mm-hmm. companies. But I think because we are a young, growing company really focused on our mission, we hire people who are also young and growing and really focused on the mission, you well, know, and maybe- hungry to learn and work. Do you think that maybe that's part and parcel mm-hmm. to being a startup? Mm-hmm. I think so. I yeah, think so. maybe that's it. Mm-hmm. Maybe that's it. And that's, I mean, that speaks really well to women. Go to startups. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> they need you anyway. Remember, STEM. STEM. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> You're the minority. I know. And I think you've, I mean, you've visited our offices. You've seen how many female engineers we have. It is a, a passion for the company to try to, foster some of those initiatives, you know, the STEM initiatives. I, I was going to ask you about ever having kids mm-hmm. and, and having that part of your life, mm-hmm. um, but you've been talking about networking and it takes a lot of work mm-hmm. and time, and, and that's what's stifling. Um, I have a child, mm-hmm. and at a moment that I could have been networking, the choice was between my child and a networking Mm -hmm. situation Mm -hmm. and as the female, as the chief caretaker, Mm -hmm. um, because I chose to be. Mm It was a choice I often, I often opted for the child Mm -hmm. and yet... In from a mother perspective, I was always working. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So it's a it was always a question mark for me, and mm-hmm. I wonder how you see that happening in your life. Yeah, that's a big question mark for me too. Um, I hope I'm fortunate enough to be able to have kids someday. Um, it's definitely something that I want to do. Um, and I've you know my mom found a way to manage it and figure it out. So I kind of have a confidence that. She'll help me, and, and I'll figure it out, too. Um, I think there's, 
you know, the culture is shifting now and it's, um, being a working mom isn't a negative anymore. You know, it's really seen as something I think positively. Um, and so I don't, I don't know how it's going to work, but I hope to be able to figure it out or at least try to figure it out if there even is an answer to find. (laughs) Well, Erin, I, I definitely want to, um, speak with your mother yeah (laughs) who is uh, an enigma in herself Um, and then I wondered if I can get you and maybe she and I can get you in a room maybe in Rhode Island Mm -hmm. or wherever we need to be Mm -hmm. that we could um, continue this conversation at a whole different level yeah that'd be great that'd be great I'd love to thank you so much for your time yeah thanks for having me Ellen this has been great